I have important cargo I need smuggled to Rainbow Road. People say you used to drive? People say a lot of things. You got a name? It's a me. Mario. Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? So I watched this uh, fan theory video about Fight Club, which is a movie that's about to turn 25 years old, uh, a movie that is much beloved, um, or at least it is now. I mean, and the critics at the time were <laughs> basically saying this movie is promoting anarchy, which I would argue it wasn't. Uh, it was showing why there's... Um, bad side to going too far in certain ways but watch this fan theory video and it's like yeah it's not just that spoiler alert if you haven't seen fight club i'm about to spoil a movie you've had enough time though uh it wasn't just tyler durden who was a figment imagination it was bob and marla and project mayhem and the fight clubs themselves were all in the fucking narrator's mind and i'm like really really so i watched the video and it went through all these little examples of all these things that like just simply prove without a doubt that all of this was in the guy's mind, hmm. not just this alter ego. And I'm like, holy shit. And there's no way that these were accidents either. David Fincher doesn't make accidents, right? He, he plants things in there so deep and was so well thought out that, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's just for all these years has been like, really nobody figured out like that. It was all of this was part of his imagination, not just this one person. And I could go into the details and, you know, I mean, just one of the simple ones was, you know, he says that, um, you know, all the different fight clubs in different cities didn't know about each other. Right. But then whenever he's traveling around, they're all chanting. His name was Robert Paulson. Well, how would they all have known that about that unless they did know each other? Right. So like things like that, that definitely or the fact that, you know, like they they show, you know, the first fight that he ever has uh, with his alter ego himself, yeah. and a bunch of dudes walk up and they're like, can I be next? But right, then when be next show what? Flashback, Beat the shit out of yourself, right? Right, like the, you, you, when they show the flashback of what really happened, it's just him fighting himself. Nobody walks up and would say that to somebody who's punching. Oh, himself. yeah, that's a good. You know, I, so it's it's like well, I like that. I didn't. Yeah. I, I, that's a good catch. I mean, I, and then okay. the fact that when he goes to his doctor and he can't sleep, the doctor won't prescribe him sleep meds. Any doctor would do that, right? So the, oh, yeah. the theory, the overarching theory, and then the fact that he tells him to go check out the testicular cancer support group. <clears throat> And then the constant like, like cancer is brought up in this in this movie at least a dozen times in different ways. Um, that the, the underlying thing is is like the the real reason he can't sleep at night is because he he actually does have testicular cancer, and he can't cope with that. So he makes up all these like fantasies and fictions to to basically ignore what really is going on. And I don't know if the I've never heard Chuck Palahniuk you know say that. 
you know, and, and that's one of his books I haven't read. So I don't know if like that, that, that subtext is somehow in there. It's, it's not really, the book's good. The movie is much, and he said as much, the movie expands oh, yeah. on the book, you know, significantly Absolutely. It's much better than the, than the book. But I, 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 I watched this video and I'm like, oh my God, this is like, <laughs> this, this was, you know, cause you think you've seen every fan video about, right. you know, a movie that's, you know, every college kid had a poster of up on their fucking dorm room wall next to poster of Scarface and Bob Marley and shit. And you think you've heard everything. And then it's like, oh man, there's, there's another whole level to this. <laughs> oh, so, uh, right. I think we're also past that really obnoxious like ten year period where everyone's like, "Ooh, this is just a movie about toxic masculinity," and it's a huge red flag if a guy you know likes that movie. Like that whole like just tiresome fucking yeah. discourse around the movie. I think we're. Well, past I mean, that I think finally. I think a lot of people thought that movie was like, "Hey, this is literal." A good idea. Like, hey, like this is what you should do. This yeah, is what you should idolize. Right. And I mean, the movie is literally like, you know, if you if you take it at the, you know, the it's it's basic, most easily understood meaning. It's a guy who rejects a normal, healthy, you know, potentially healthy relationship to go start a boxing club that then, you know, thinks that they're on a crusade to take down corporate America. It's like, if anything, it's saying like, hey, don't do that. That's not a also, good idea. <laughs> I mean, the protagonist shoots that shoots fucking Brad Pitt in the head at the end of the movie. Like this, it's not, you know, I don't know how you could take that and read the authorial intent is that like, that's the way that, you know, I don't know. People just have really obnoxious, like base level understandings of, yeah. of a story. Uh, and I'm a, sure anyone... any anyone who doesn't like that movie uh, also doesn't like the Beatles. So fuck them. <laughs> right. Right. And there are people like that. Just weird, fucking bizarre people. Yeah, um, and they, get, they get paid to write those terrible opinions. Right. Because they're so hard to find. They're like, Oh, look at this right. fucking freak. Let's, let's get some rage clicks out of this. Um, but I learned, I learned another thing this week. Um, I was watching uh, an extended interview with somebody who has done voice acting for like a couple dozen major video games. Right. And, you know, those people don't get paid a lot of money, so they have to constantly, you know, but fortunately, like there's there's so many NPCs in games that like you need to have, you know, people just constantly recording dialogue. Right. And sometimes it's years before the game even comes out and they have no idea what the project is. And other times they get hired under like a code name and they don't know what it is until they've already, uh, you know, gotten hired. And then they find out. And that was the case for Mm. for Cyberpunk. Like all these people got hired for it, having no clue that they were going to be you know, in a game with Keanu Reeves, um, who obviously would get paid a lot of money for it, but right. still, you know, I mean, you've done ton- tons of video games and you'd think like, Oh, they're going to like a professional studio and they're working with a sound engineer. And no, this was not this, this myth like was blown away from me. It was this interview with this woman who has been in cyberpunk and last of us two. And I, uh, her name's, um, I don't have her name in front of me. Oh, here it is. Uh, Carla to uh, Tassara. And she said, no, most, almost all of us just have a like makeshift uh, recording studio uh, in our closet. Like I just went to Home Depot and bought whatever soundproofing foam they had there and made a little studio in my closet. And that's where I record wow. <laughs> like a major, you know, a video game that had a budget of a hundred million dollars. And, you know, their, their main character is a recording in a fucking closet <laughs> right <laughs> at home. <laughs> Jesus Christ, insane! But yeah, and there's—I mean—they're working with a with a director too, but they're just in their headphones, you know, the way that we right. record this podcast, basically. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, she says we can get some sweaty, voice work. Yeah, <laughs> she said, said up, it's right. a very sweaty job because you know you can't have a fan or AC running um, because it would you know you'd hear it on the mic because they have they have to have much more 
you know, uh, sensitive mics and then we'd use her podcast, but they all live in LA too. Even though they're doing this remotely, they still have to live in LA because you have to, you know, go in person to actually do auditions still, even though right. it's all just voiceover work. Fucking they stupid, know but just the way um, that Hollywood operates. But yeah, I, and that's I, I, when I first started the podcast, I had a uh, blue uh, Nessie mic, which was like the it's, it's similar to the yeti but it's like the condenser mic so it's like the whole room audio so yeah it was the same right. situation where like i'd do it and i'd be like listen back and be like oh fuck the fucking air conditioner's so loud like well, and so, that's the first mic that i got because i didn't know much about what right. mic to get same. so yeah, I, was, I was just like i'll just go get whatever they have at best buy because <laughs> right. i want to co-host this podcast and you were after two episodes i think you were like uh i need you to get a different mic <laughs> yeah <laughs> And I was just like, sure, well, fine, whatever. <laughs> and I think I sent you like the link to the one I have now. It's the same. And you basically yeah, got yeah. that from like a music store or something. So I upgraded from Best Buy to go into like a guitar center. Uh, and they didn't even have the right mic in stock. So they had to go, uh, they had to ship it in for me. So, uh, but it's a trooper. It's worked ever since. And, so and it was, honestly, it was like, I think this thing was like 50 bucks when we bought it. Like it was not, it was not a crazy amount of money. And it's yeah. very, yeah good quality for it is it is but then you see like youtubers and asmr girls who are spending five grand out of fucking oh, mic, you fuck, know. and yeah this insane fucking boot jib boom arm that like you know or or, or like the, the you know the speakers is specifically for asmr where it uh-huh. like looks it looks like two ears and they're like rubbing the ears and shit and it's just right. like this is, this is fucking weird but you yeah. know whatever they're 20 years old and cute so whatever <laughs> right they're making two hundred thousand dollars a year on fucking tiktok so what do we know you know i mean i think i think it's it's like you know these these 20 year old girls doing asmr videos that are getting millions of fucking views it's like i think they're you know like it's more therapy for them than it is getting a thrill out of just making a half hour relaxation you know whispering in the microphone thing like i think they're <laughs> right. kind of like shut-ins and this is just an outlet they figured out you know Hey, so you know, whatever probably. it helps me fall asleep sometimes. So whatever. right, whatever, whatever gets whatever gets you through the night. Um, and some but, people, I'm sure, are just jerking off to it. You know, oh, no, all cute. please, that's like 50 percent <laughs> of the market. I'm sure you know, like that's <laughs> you know, that's what I always assume. And then I know a lot of people who legitimately do, like you said, like just use it to kind of relax and like turn the fucking the the volume down. But um, it's yeah, no, there's therapy. There's some... It's free therapy for some people. And I actually get like I'm I'm very susceptible to the actual ASMR response, you know, the actual like tingly sensation that you can get in like your scalp. <clears throat> yeah. Um when, when if like somebody just like you hear the right sound for long enough, you get that sensation. Like I I will actually get that sometimes. And it's hmm. just a it's like a weird, trippy, relaxing, like, you know, the and only about twenty five percent of people can experience that. Uh, and I and I had felt that like at various points in my life, even when I was a kid, sometimes, and didn't know there was a name for it. And I don't even think there was a name for it until the '90s. But <laughs> no one's really known about it until you know it became a YouTube trend, right? Um, right. But yeah, whatever. Sidetrack. <laughs> but <laughs> um, well, you know, real quick, we have a lot of uh, pretty heavy stuff to talk about today, so we should talk about. Uh, some light uh, kind of fun fare up top real quick before you really <laughs> dive into <laughs> just a very pleasant uh, escape, uh, you know, from from the horrible news of the week. Uh, talking about The Last of Us this week, <laughs> which I mean, you know, I, this this episode for me solidified that this is easily the best show on television. This is the best show I've watched 
Well, since Andor, so I mean, I guess not that far, but still, you know, it's, it's the best it's, show on TV right now. No, it's the best show on TV right now, hundred um, percent. That's uh, and this week was just, I thought, an incredible episode. And you know, I ta- I was mentioning to you off air, like, and again, I say this as somebody who loved the first two seasons, especially of The Walking Dead, and enjoyed the the subsequent fifteen seasons or whatever it was yeah. to some to varying degrees. Um, it was actually not, eleven. They just wrapped it up, but yeah, right, right, was... right. Um, but but I mean, I, and I act, I really liked also the Glen Mazzara sort of period, like the whole prison Herschel art, like all that stuff. I mean, I really kind of tuned out like the last three or four seasons, but um, but in general, like I this show to me, it, like the 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 weakness of The Walking Dead is it always whenever there was a side character that like had a, a story centric episode that was like, Hey, this is this guy's episode. You're like, Oh, this guy's going to get eaten by the end of the episode. hundred percent. It's like literally what they would do with characters. They wouldn't use for two months. And then all of a sudden they would have like an episode that was all about them. You're like, Oh, okay. They're going to die this week. I guess sucks to be them. Um, the Beth episode that was really tough for me. Um, She had that whole episode that was just her in the hospital. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was run by the fucking cops. Oh, man. They were were cops who were still dressed up as cops. And you're like, oh, fuck. Of course, they're all rapists. (laughs) Right. Um, And she, you know, she, like, outsmarted the cops and had to kill one of them and, like, discovered, like, the secret of the hospital that they had, you know, this other doctor that they killed on purpose. So, you know, and she did all that in one episode. And I was like, this is a fucking amazing self-contained episode and good on her that they like, you know, they trusted her to carry the entire episode. And it got like 14 million views or 14 million. It was, you know, ratings right. there back when viewers. Was, yeah. yeah. Before streaming. Um, and then they killed her off the next episode. And <laughs> right. It had no value. It wasn't no. like when Herschel died and you were like, that had some fucking value to it. It was just. What, uh, why? And, and, and and it's and again it's like you know and that was and it and, it, and even those earlier seasons it wasn't quite as bad i mean it really became very formulaic by like the fifth sixth seventh season um yeah the same with like that uh, what the hell is his name tyrese the, the guy who wore the big the beanie the big guy <clears throat> i think it was tyrese um who was a great cat like but again it just became very formulaic and it was like oh okay well this person's dying this week uh this right. episode did an amazing job introducing somebody um, two characters, uh, really just focusing on them and their humanity and, and getting you to sort of, and they're, and they're very complicated characters too. You know, um, Henry is not, you know, just a, a hundred percent, you know, uh, like he, everything he does, you can totally understand why he did it and why he had to do what he had to do or why he thought he had to do what he had to do, but he's still, you know, considered a rat. He worked with Fedra. He worked against the people of his his you know qz but like it, it's just a really like well-told story and a well-fleshed out character and his brother his deaf his deaf younger brother that he has to protect and you know it, it, it's just it was fucking amazing and just again and you know i won't spoil the ending but i'm, I'm sure anyone who's hasn't seen it yet has played the game but i just did not at all expect it coming and it was just fucking absolutely soul crushing what happens at the end of this episode and well, it happens so fast too what incredibly happens. fast and traumatizing like it, it's like the editing is you just you know, and you realize how fast you know when, when you have a, a a pistol and how quickly you can change the direction of that of you know the barrel of a, a small the, gun like oh, that oh man and and how fast you know life or death things change with just a flick of a wrist and you yeah. know the the most heartbreaking thing is like in the in the um 
and I'll try to say, I'll talk about this vaguely in case people are trying to still avoid spoilers, but in the game, apparently the line he says to Joel is, um, like, this is your fault. This is your fault. But in the show, what he says is, what did I do? What did I do? Which is just so much more heartbreaking, like considering, you know, just just the the, the time you spend line considering what happens, because if you were really blaming someone else for something, you you know, the, the thing that immediately follows that line doesn't really track with the logic of that. No. But I right. still love in that moment that, you know, this, this you know, very split second thing happens and, you know, it switches from one thing to another so quickly that you're like, you know, the, their reactions to what happened are our reactions. We were just like, what what the fuck just happened? Look, what, what the fuck right. just happened? <laughs> and then there's just nothing to say. You know, right. and that's that's really the end of it. But we see Ellie for the first time. She's, you know, it, the 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 awfulness of the world has finally gotten to her, right? Yeah. And that's the really soul crushing thing where you're just like, and the know, note, she, like, oh my god, the fucking thing she leaves at the end, the note, like it's just, uh, ah man, it, it it's just so good. It's such a good story, and you can tell, like, it, and they did such a great job of like, you know genuinely making you feel that like Joel could give less of a shit about this girl at the beginning of the show. And, and at this point, you know, it, it's, it's already to the point. And this is something Craig Mason even says in the, uh, like the, after the episode, like thing is that Joel is just, you know, he's scared to death now. Cause he realizes that he's, he's starting to view her as somebody that he could, can't even fathom like losing. And that he's, you know, <clears throat> starting to view her at the same way he viewed his daughter. Cause like, he just never, would allow himself to get close to anybody after, you know, what happened, uh, you know, at the start of the, the like pandemic, I guess it's a pandemic. I don't know. Um, but at the, you know, at the start of the series, um, but you could tell he's like, Oh fuck. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm screwed now because I, he, he fully understands the weight of right. what, what has happened to him and what he's going to have to, what that's going to force him to do. And the, the way he's going to have to change the, his whole approach to every situation he's in now. So, just really I think, amazing I shit, that, I thought. Um, you know, with Walking Dead, they saddle themselves with a burden of having way too many characters to try yes, to focus on. Yes, right. And the best Walking Dead episodes were the, you know, the the ones where they would just focus on one or two characters. Rick and Carl or Rick and the, um, Chain. You know, or... the, the Look at the Flowers Lizzie episode of Walking right. Dead. When it was just, you know, Carol and these two kids, for right. the most part. And one of them's fucking crazy and kills her sister. You know, and you're right. like, okay, well, gonna have to put you down. Look at the flowers. <laughs> that was just a soul crushing episode, but it just amazingly, you know, that they could do that. And you know, but they they chose to really sideline some of the best characters in that show for a long time until Andrew Lincoln left, and then those characters got to really fucking shine because they needed, uh, you know, uh, Norman Reedus to you know be the new star of the show. So finally, right. you got to have. Um, so really fulfilling moments with his character that like they've been, you could tell they were prolonging it <laughs> for a well, long time. I, I th- and I thought for years up until the point where I kind of stopped watching the, and this wasn't why, but like up until the point where I kind of fell off the show that Daryl, like I never understood the fandom for Daryl. Cause I just felt like he was an incredibly undercooked character. Like he just, I, you know, he would, he just would, would kind of like vibe. Like I felt like he didn't really have a ton of, uh, 
a ton of just purpose, not purpose. Maybe that's not the right word. I think just people like that. He was like the survivalist. He, he just had a cool a like vibe and look cycle. like he yeah, just didn't have, he really wasn't a fleshed out, fully fleshed out character. I right. thought. Well, and, but after you tuned out and after Andrew Lincoln left, like they, the last three seasons, they really did do those. Right. Things. So unfortunately right. the show got a lot better. I felt even though hardly anyone was watching anymore compared to, you know, when it was peaking at 11 million. And maybe that's why, because honestly, when, when you're the, when you have 15, you know, million people watching your show or whatever crazy number they had at, you know, at the peak, it, it just becomes a, a situation where it's, it's, it's not at all an artistic endeavor anymore. It's just completely, well, this is the biggest, you know, commercial juggernaut we have. So we need to do exactly, you know, what we think is going to be the best thing to, to maximize viewership and maximize ad revenue and, you know, do all these stupid cliffhangers and a million fucking uh, oh, I ad breaks. I love cliffhangers, honestly. Like, I wish TV shows did more of that. Um, I, I don't mind cliffhangers. I don't like what I feel are cheap cliffhangers, which I felt like that show did a lot, but it, it started to get into that a lot. But it, regardless, I, it's just I, it, the show became a, a commodity more so than just like one or a couple of people's visions of like, this is a great story we're going to tell. And then I think maybe once that show had the ratings cliff that it had, it became a lot more of like, well, you know, you're still here. I guess we might as well make a good show again for you. Um, (laughs) is kind of what this seems like. They're doing that spinoff with, uh, um, what's his name? With Daryl. The guy that played, well, he's getting a spinoff of his own. Uh, yeah, I thought there's like six million spinoffs. There's a Negan spinoff, right? There's yeah, a, isn't Negan there a Rick spin-off. and uh, Michonne spinoff? I, I guess so. I mean, if I would love if they just did limited series with these shows, but who knows what they're gonna fucking do? But um, you know, I'll watch it. I'm just not like that's why I like the movie. I thought was a better idea, but I guess maybe it just became not a cost-effective proposition where they were just going to do the three movies with Rick or whatever. I I think COVID definitely changed the plans going forward for a lot of stuff, even though now it's, you know, pretty much relatively safe to go to the theater, and I've been back there for the last year or so. But but the business never fully recovered, I think, was the issue, like the box office. Well, I mean, they they had to start planning these things and start doing the deals, uh, distribution deals ahead of time, so I think that they were just like, we don't know how long this is going to be, so let's... (laughs) Let's make this a streaming thing. But I think the you know, the the format of Last of Us Two is is unique in that uh, you know, they are... Last of Us also, you mean not like the second game, right? Sorry. You said Last of Us Two. I was like, wait, like the game or oh no. Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> Last of Us as well. Last of Us also. <laughs> you know, it's 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 kind of um it's almost more episodic. You know, where it, oh, feels, yeah. it feels like you're like, okay, this section of the game is, you know, start to finish. Then this section of the game is start to finish. Whereas Walking Dead was kind of more like just an ongoing soap opera. You know, where, like, when I think back about most episodes of the show, I don't have a clear memory of, like, this episode or that episode. Like, there's only a few of them no, that have that, right. you know? Whereas this show, it's like, okay, I have a very distinct, clear memory of which episode, which things happened so far. Uh, and I, I'm sure if it goes on long enough, maybe that won't be the case. But it, it still feels more like a, you know, it, it really, the wire I had that problem with too, where it's like I don't have any one oh, clear yeah, memory of absolutely. one specific episode of the wire. The wire just that, feels yeah. like one, you know, like a, a hundred hour long movie. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. No, I, I, well, each season feels distinct, but like each season feels like a sure. like a ten hour movie. Yeah. You know, I, and, nobody, I, it's and nobody remembers how the wire ends either. 
<laughs> I remember Omar getting shot by a kid in the like in like just in a random stick up. That's like but the that was nowhere near the finale of the of the well, that wasn't of okay. the show. No, like everyone remembers how uh, break. I don't remember what happened. With Mc... I don't even remember what happens to McNulty. Doesn't he like not die, but they held hold a funeral for him anyway, or some stupid thing like that? I have a vague memory of that. Yes, it was like a retirement party, right? Or right. Like that. But but and they then... do the funeral thing where he lays on the table and they on the play the Pogue yeah. song and yeah. I'm sure we've talked about this at least two or three other times. Probably. So I mean, it's been so long since I actually watched But in any event, yeah. So no, but Last of Us, incredible fucking series. Um, I can't wait to see where it goes. Very worried at all times for <laughs> for both main characters. Um, but yeah. yeah, you know, it, it'll it'll be good. And oh, and the fu- just real quick that that fucking scene. You know, th- this is a show that's been pretty light on like the kind of mindless zombie fair um to the point where when we actually do get it it's still like enough to be like oh shit like that's like it's not overkill so i enjoy the kind of you know insane fucking spectacle scenes when they have them Mm -hmm. and and that fucking scene of of the the, you know the sinkhole opening and you know this sinkhole ex machina as i think i called it earlier uh opening up and saving them like right as the 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 fucking you know the rebel qz gang or whatever is gonna shoot them all and then just people just start fucking pouring out of the hole and then the big right. fucking thing. Like, well, we'd seen them really sort of great. stumbling around in the dark, but like we hadn't seen them go like full World War, World War Z where they fucking run fast, you know? Right. So that was the thing where you're just, like, you know, the ground slowly opening up and then they just come like like a dozen. Like just a shotgun. Like, just out. Fucking, yeah, <laughs> like oh, just okay. this is. Yeah. Which all, yeah. by the way, was almost all practical. I mean, they they enhanced them a little bit, like their looks, but like they sh- yeah. did most of it practically. Like the bodies were all people and they brought in. um, I, I forget his name. Terry something. Terry Notary. Uh, maybe Terry Notary. The guy who plays, uh, who does the, the actual body work for the uh, chimp in uh nope like they got like they brought in that guy to coordinate the wow. the like the the people coming up out of the pit and he's like sure, sure. so yeah great shit so um, wait that wasn't a real chimpanzee in nope they didn't train it to go crazy <laughs> and fucking kill everyone no because uh, you know somebody out. actually read the script i was like oh geez maybe we shouldn't <laughs> fuck around with an animal um that, that could rip our faces off you just before the show <laughs> you um sent me a thing about uh how will smith is apparently so excited about uh the last of us that he wants to star in i am legend two <laughs> Which... i am legend two electric well, Boogaloo. and and, and the fucking um and the producer akiva gold goldsman i think who is just a notorious uh hollywood producer I, i'm pretty sure he's produced he produced like the batman and robin movie like just he was responsible for a string of just putrial late 90s 2000s uh you know genre movies but he um he, yeah he was like oh me i really love the the sort of look of the the last of us i really want to replicate that one with i am legend too <laughs> just so you saw a show that did like your what you kind of were trying to do but better so you're just going to make a sequel like right 20 years later that nobody wants well, to fucking see i bring it up because um when that movie first came out uh, it, it was like there was a uh, Peter was doing a campaign at the time saying like look how good the CGI animals look in this movie we don't need to have actual wild animals on film sets anymore which I agree with but when, at the time I was like I watched that movie and the CGI animals look like shit <laughs> I was just thinking I was like what the, everything in that movie looked like shit CGI wise like the, I know. the zombie <laughs> things look like shit I'm like what are they today, talking about <laughs> today they look good I mean the sentiment fucking- is good but you know- 
Remember the, the bear that fucking tore apart Leo DiCaprio? Like that thing looked fucking real as shit. Oh yeah, I was terrified. I was like, how did they do that? <laughs> right. You know, um, the the chimp in Nope looks totally fucking real. I mean, yeah. the ch- even the chimp, the you know, humanoid chimps in um, you know, Andy Serkis, uh, uh, those last three yeah, movies, the Planet of the Apes, mo- Planet of the look, Apes movies, yeah. looks fantastic. Looks fantastic because they were doing motion capture. You know, those right. animals, you know, the lions and deer uh, chasing each other. Uh, in uh, you know Broadway Avenue, New York City, and I am Legend. Uh, you know they weren't using any kind of motion capture; they were just drawing it with whatever right. After Effects program. Right. Two thousand five era CGI. You know, yeah. like takes like, five fifteen hours for a frame to render. Whatever. You and know? I get it; it was a short scene, but he actually liked like the first half of that movie when it was, cool it, concept. It was, it was just him and that dog. And he's, you know, very little dialogue, except when he's talking to the mannequin, he realizes he's losing his mind from isolation. <laughs> no, that was great. I, I loved too. all that. That was great. And then they get like, you know, introduce another character and it's like, oh, he, this is terrible dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much better. He, when he's very good. He, he can be very good. Like uh, as an actor on his own, like when he, like, I just, he's another guy who just doesn't challenge himself enough. I don't think with roles, but uh, yeah, you know, it's a shame. Yeah. Well, at least he's getting back to work after uh, quitting the academy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I am Legend Two, probably not the not the career reviver that he thinks it is. But we'll see. Um, they, should, they should change it up and be like, "I too am Legend." And like, <laughs> you know, whatever. I also am Legend. <laughs> oh man, fucking stupid. Oh, you know what else is stupid about the the sequel of that? That it, he, if I remember correctly, he dies in the first movie. But there was some like alternate ending on the DVD where he doesn't die that people liked a lot better. So apparently that's going to be the canon ending of the first movie, even though the fucking movie came out with the ending where he dies. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> so like, what the fuck? Awkward. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. Like, I don't know. That's real bizarre. Um, all I around. Mean, but in any event. Smith uh, finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I don't even know how to make a transition for you. Well, I could talk about something else in real news that was very funny this week. Um, I mean, the I Super guess, Bowl happens. Li- well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. Did you you have something else you wanted to talk about before that? Well, I was going to just mention up because there's not really much of a story to it, but that we talked about the LaSalle uh, nomination, the the extreme right wing uh, judge that that Kathy Hochul was trying to ram through. And who is uh, she again? She is the governor of New York. She is an Andrew Cuomo uh, disciple protege protege um to handpick successor and great mentor to have that yeah man. right yeah. no just just an all-around great guy um did you just sidetrack but did you see that uh his brother uh chris said that there was some article today i read where it said he was gonna when his show was canceled because he got outed as like helping his brother like you know f- cover up the the sexual abuse scandals and all that stuff uh, he, he was. He said, "When when my show was canceled, I wanted to kill everybody and myself." Was like the quote that he had. What a fucking snowflake! Yeah, I mean, he got. He was warned. He was using, you know, the apparatus of the CNN's office to do oppo research on oppo research on these women. <laughs> to you know, basically, hey, let's use the newsroom to help slander these women who are accusing my brother. 
And he yeah. was warned that if he kept doing that, like he even had a chance to stop. Right. And he was just like, now nah, it'll be fine. Right. Right. <laughs> just, yeah, no consequences whatsoever. Can't, can't ever be held accountable for my own actions. Yeah. Um, and, and then he said he's going to sue CNN for lost wages. It's like, bro, <laughs> you fucking. I think you'll, I think you'll fucking manage, dude. No, I think one, you... no one else gets a second chance like you got to. <laughs> right. Know. On Newsmax, whatever the fuck he's on now. Um, But, oh, yeah. So anyway, Kathy Hochul. Um, so we talked about how, you know, we don't know what the fuck they actually have on her. We suspect it's something to do with her husband and real estate, but, um, she was threatening to sue the Democrat, her own party to force a floor vote on this extremely conservative judge. Um, and this well, is the after Republican the committee turned him down. So yeah, usually, he was voted you know, down in committee. You gotta get, you gotta get confirmed by a committee. And then you get the the total floor vote. That's how everything works. Right. If the and committee if you, says no, then there's no floor vote. So she wanted to basically sue to change the congressional rules of the New York Senate to force this floor vote because she was sure right. that the Republicans would would get him confirmed. Well, and she was sure that enough Democrats would fall in line because the, the, the Democrats do still have a supermajority in the New York State Senate. So, right. she, you know, she was under the impression that, like, well, obviously the Republicans will vote for him because – uh, you know, he's conservative and the Democrats, there's enough shitty Democrats that'll toe the party line that'll squeak by. And she probably was right that if he had gotten through the committee, he might have squ- squeaked by if there wasn't such a fucking rigmarole about it. But what happened was the Republicans uh, sued to force a floor vote, probably buoyed by the great idea that Kathy Hochul just gave them. Um, and the Democrats in the Senate uh, were fucking furious and decided to call a floor vote. <laughs> And embarrass her and LaSalle at the same time. And he ended up getting voted down today, 39 to 20. Um, a single Democrat crossed uh, party lines to vote. For, well, I, I shouldn't say that because it's the Democratic nom- the Democratic governor's nominee for, for the judgeship. But a single Democrat voted for, um, voted for LaSalle so uh, and, and 20 Republicans. Much- yeah, I mean, she she's pretty much persona non grata now as far as ever being the governor again. Oh, she blew right? all of her political capital, like in an all-time like political capital like explosion. Like I've never seen somebody just burn every ounce of goodwill with their own party. But again, I, and I said this to you off the air, she's a complete disciple of Andrew Cuomo's school of politics. And Andrew Cuomo had a complete slash and burn approach to politics. And he was able to get away with it because he had a lot of institutional power built up and he had a lot of because of his dad because of his dad. Yeah, because he's a fucking fail son like all, like all these other pricks. He's a, and, he's a Nepo baby. He's a Nepo. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was trying to think of. Before and, that was um, a thing. Right. <laughs> he, was, he was one of the OG Nepo babies and he, you know, was able to rule that way with impunity because he knew he could kind of get away with it. And what happened was he was very quick to get knives in his back because he did nothing to ingratiate himself to anybody in his own party. So the second they smelled kind of blood in the water, they're like, fuck this fucking guy. And just threw him to the, you know, threw him under the bus, uh, which is why he had to leave. And we, we had the great, you know, fucking trauma survivor photos of him with a blanket drinking a rolling rock, you know, on the phone with his Nona, like <laughs> you complaining. Oh um, God. But that, but I mean, that's, and the thing that with Kathy Hochul is she doesn't have any of that power and she still is trying to govern the way that he did. Um, and she learned very quickly that she is not long for this world. So I'm very uh, excited to see her downfall because she's fucking terrible. And hopefully uh, the Democratic voters of New York who are fucking awful um, 
will even this like even they will see through this and actually vote in like the more left-wing candidate next time but i i'm not holding my breath I mean, but we'll see if if you're listening right now cynthia nixon you you still got time <laughs> right look she's not look she's still young i mean fuck you know like <laughs> we could do a lot worse in uh, in new york uh, than cynthia nixon as governor I mean, again young compared to say you know uh diane fines everyone in yeah everyone in politics 281 years old which is actually the number of our episode this week did so you, uh, did, you, did you hear so for anyone that doesn't know, Diane Feinstein uh, announced that she won't be running again in 2024 at the age of 95 or whatever she's going to be, like literally 95, I think, uh, in 2024. But some reporter asked her about like retiring. She's like, I, I haven't made any decisions yet. I, I don't know who, you know, what. I, and then one of her staffers had to whisper to her like, oh, we, we put out that statement. And then she and then to that reporter, she was like, no, well, I didn't know they put out a statement already. <laughs> Like yeah. literally, like she's yeah. This is, I mean, fucking. Well, I'm elder not going to run again, but I don't plan on retiring. I don't know if anyone knows, like, yeah, you know, how uh, you know political office works, but that's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, she. Um. Yeah. No, just it's elder abuse at this point. I mean, she's just and her mental faculties the, are the fucking fact gone. that they even filed for it just to keep fundraising just shows you what parasites the people yeah. around her are. Um, they're like the royal family. They just don't have the birthright to it. It's just like it's the same, the same kind of like parasitic behavior where they just don't know what what better to do with their fucking time than to like, you know, leech money off of the American people and fuck everybody over. Like that's that's all they know Seriously. how to do. You remember when everyone was like, "Oh, it's so brave of Prince Harry to uh, you know reject the crown and go off and start this you know his own little Oxfam or environmental whatever the fuck." And it's like, yeah, he he claims he killed 25 people in Afghanistan and felt no remorse because to him, they weren't people. They were just pawns on a chessboard. Yeah, like th- that's, <laughs> that's the good Royal. <laughs> <laughs> and and sadly, yes. Like that's, that's like the, the rest of them are even worse, which is just tells you all you need to know about that disgusting fucking bloodline. Um, you speaking know, of, speaking of the wire, man, I, 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 yeah, I did finish watching season five of the crown and it's so weird to see um, what's his fucking name. Help me out. Uh, 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 House of the Dragon D- guy. Dominic West. Dominic oh, West. Tim. It's so weird to see him play uh, the. Um, well, he's going to be the king now. It's fucking Prince. Oh, he William. plays Charles. Uh, Prince oh. Charles. Prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles William. I, I get him confused because I don't. The one who's shit. king currently, Charles, right? yes so he's playing him but it's like i haven't seen him in anything else really much since the wire so i'm just like what the fuck is jimmy mcnulty playing it's fucking it's just weird because you just you expect him to have this fucking like generic you know city like boston kind of like italian irish accent so like anything that he's in so it always just seems bizarre when he pops up in like a fucking period piece or whatever it's so weird it's so weird but you know there's a bunch of other famous actors on the show it's just i haven't I've no, seen I know. Him in so I many don't other see him in anything. It's 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 like I haven't seen Dominic West in much else besides The Wire. So when he pops up, most in of those guys, Five of the I mean, Crown, I'm like, what the what? I, I can't take him seriously. <laughs> outside of like Idris Elba, who you know went on to much bigger, you know, bigger stardom afterwards, like I can't think of too many people from that show who really 
Well, they, mean, they all went from the wire to go get killed off uh, every week on The Walking Dead. Right, the, right. The, yeah, though that was that was a thing for years. Is like they would always have the hey, a new black guy popped up on The Walking <laughs> Dead who used to be on The Wire. Oh, we he killed Tyrese. Uh, we gotta get we gotta get another one. Find out find, who who else can we get from the fucking the, like the B tier cat? It really it was, was like five black guys from The Wire that all got killed off on Walking yeah, Dead no, a couple was, years later. It was noticeable after a while. <laughs> Again, yeah. another another weird pattern in that show. But um, any event. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Kathy Oakle's fucking done. Um, can't wait till she gets primaried and run out of office next uh, go around. But, you know, <laughs> because of the governor's races are only every six years, yeah. I think we have a while to wait. But And then when I go home to visit my mom, I can see her as a commentator on MSNBC. That's just how these right, things work. Right, And then you right. get to hear her totally unvarnished, not at all paid opinions, uh, not at all <laughs> handwritten uh, by the by the lobbyists and the uh, the sponsors of the television program opinions. And uh, yeah. So speaking of sponsors, uh, you wanted to mention the Super Bowl real quick. Um, uh, obviously, that yeah. happened this week. That that happened this week. Um, the, the thing that's good game. The yeah, you watched it. Oh, yeah. No, I I I I, 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 I assumed you didn't. I just <laughs> um, I watch. I mean, I look. I I and I I love football, but Super Bowl typically is boring for me because I'm a Jets fan. So uh, the 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 you know the last the the de- December onwards is usually a miserable time of the year as a sports fan for me because uh, the Jets fucking suck and haven't won a Super Bowl since 1968. Um, so. You know, it's never really that enjoyable for me to watch the Super Bowl because I don't have a rooting interest, but I always enjoy the kind of spectacle of it and just, you know, the commercial, like seeing the trailers for the shit that like debut during the Super Bowl is always interesting. But, uh, you know, and, and usually the halftime performance is is either good or a fucking train wreck, you know, so that's always interesting. I just, you know, I never know who's going to be performing the halftime show. I just know that, you know, whoever it is. Right wing white men will be outraged. <laughs> oh, it will no. be satanic. That's that's all you know is that it will be it, oh, it, it you, will be a satanic product. Yeah, of... Remember, remember when they were freaking out because the weekend had all those synchronized dancers and the guy was like, "This is just like communist China that they're all conformed to." Behave. Oh man, I was like, "What the?" Fuck? That was a great performance. That was the last great one uh, that I remember. Yeah, is the weekend. Remember last year where they they had a bunch of rappers and they even threw. Oh in yeah, a that white was one. Too. I forgot about that. They threw in one white rapper and they were people were still just like what. What is this the the woke blacksification of the you know <laughs> like you got Eminem in there what do you fuck you know and then it was like oh Rihanna she's what was what was she doing at this it's like she's fucking probably one of the top ten most famous artists in the world right, right now not my cup of tea but I like every song she plays like oh yeah I know that song <laughs> like you know oh that's a good like, song. <laughs> And my only thing was like, uh, is is that totally safe to be lifted up on that platform by just a, like four wires? Like, what if one well, of them doesn't and, go up the same speed and these and tips you, over and falls sixty feet and she's pregnant? And, well, that, that and that was the, that was the <laughs> thing. I think they they seemed they probably had a much more elaborate setup, and they decided to sort of scale it back visually because it, she was very visibly pregnant uh, during the performance. Know, I mean, but like, I, I would be. I would not be on that thing. Oh no, I wouldn't either. <laughs> Fuck. But you, but you could also tell she had like a harness binder. It was pretty. Like I, I, I don't like heights in general, so I wouldn't have been. I would be like, yeah, fuck this. But 
I mean, uh, you know, you know, from I'm watching sure wrestling that being suspended from a thing way up in the air. Uh, oh yeah, is, no, not is, not not doesn't always go smoothly. Or, yeah, yeah, even when it's an elaborate production, <clears throat> um, people still fall and die. So anyway, especially yeah. one that's set up in like five minutes. At the, you know, like they, you ever see them like roll out the stage for the halftime? They literally assemble oh, yeah, no, in like I, yeah. five. It's in fucking insane. Dude, I was I was riding my bike last night, or not no, two nights ago, and I saw the largest outdoor <clears throat> film production I've ever seen before it was like 10 tractor trailers really? and then like another 25 uh vans and they were i don't know what they were filming for um it mm. definitely looked like a major hollywood film and not just like one of the million you know cop loving was it action fire department like, loving was there TV like shit shows going on shoot yeah they had taken over the skate park and they were clearly mm. filming mm. like skateboard scenes at the skate park but like all the lights were changed and they had easily 200 people there and i Mm. biked past it uh on my way to target right and there was like a like you know the entire contents of these you know vehicles Mm. carrying all the fucking lights and everything was outside the trucks and they were filming 20 minutes later i'm biking back and it was all gone it was like it just fucking vanished that's like like nuts. most of the vehicles were still there, but all of the film gear was just it was like whoosh, just disappeared. I I was blown away. I was like, did I just fucking? Was and I that's and like that's more hours? so like let's get the fuck out of here and go home. Like I don't want to be standing out in the middle of oh, Chicago. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know those people who get paid to stand around for hours uh-huh. uh, doing nothing. You know, and then suddenly it's just like, you know, in 10 minutes, you earn your whole day's paycheck. Right. Boom, 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 boom. Move, 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 move. Right. Uh, So, yeah, I I was just I was just astounded. Like they they shut down the whole street just to help, like, allow them to, uh, like, load everything up more quickly. Hmm. Um, And, yeah, I had to take a detour because they were fucking blocking the entire street. (laughs) The police were. <clears throat> did you but, and you didn't say like signage or what it was like the code name for the movie or anything like that right no yeah. no and i thought about stopping and asking like a pa who was standing around doing nothing be like right. hey what's this production for but like a lot of times like they you know they're told not to say anything yeah. and i was in a hurry too and i was just like i don't fucking care i'll you know i'm sure you'll know to, if it's something you see you'll be like oh that's 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 that park well <laughs> i follow an me. account on twitter that's uh, like uh, uh, mm. report stuff about filming in chicago but mm. you know a lot of times like you know they use code words so you don't know right and they don't know really but uh yeah as far as sports though like i i was thinking about like all the the, the sports things i don't know and i wanted to ask you this if you can explain to me in under 60 <laughs> seconds okay. the difference between recruited drafted and traded okay so recruited um recruited only really happens with college teams they recruit uh players out of high school and they basically, you know, like when you're good, good enough to play division one football, you just, you're automatically, it's assumed you're going to get a full ride scholarship to any college of your choice. But recruited, that was the case. Yeah. Recruits like when they bring you in and they bring in like the fucking the 18 year old, you know, college girls and they like throw fucking money and like, you know, (laughs) drugs at you, (laughs) you know, all under the table, of course. Mr. Show had a really funny sketch about two uh, competing college basketball recruiters. And they right. were going to like like grade school, <laughs> you know? and like one of them was really good at it, and one of them was fucking pathetic at it. But he just kept going. Um, so drafted uh, is is what the pro teams do. So you, they draft players out of college. Um, the draft, like they, they because like the league wants to create parity, um, P A R I T Y, not parity. 
Um, right. they, the, the worst team in the league gets the first pick of the draft. So like they get to pick well, who they think is the best player in college football and, you know, so on that's and so how forth. That works. Yeah. That's fucking that. I mean, strangely equitable, but like, well, uh, it, and, and the idea is like, you don't want to, you don't want to reward the best, the team who wins the Super Bowl by also giving them the, the best player out of college. Cause then all those other teams are just never going to get better. But, but, and it's so just you're always the best be. player coming out of college. Oh, it sucks. You go to play for the worst team. Yeah. That, that you want to be just good enough to get drafted in the first round, but like late in the first round. So you go to a good team, but it's, yeah, no, it's fun. It's, it's weird how that works sometimes, but some people yeah. are so good. They turn the whole fucking team around. Like, you know, it, it's, it's a weird game. Things change very right, easily. Right. I mean, um, there's some teams that never get turned around, obviously, but, uh, and you so said then, drafted, but like, you know, trade, drafted, recruited. And what was the other one? Traded, traded. Like, and then so, trade is like, they just like, I want this player. I'll give you this player. And the players have no choice in the matter. It's just like, we're going to exchange these two players. I mean, don't, but then some players have their own contracts and that never happens to them. Well, some, if you're good enough, you can negotiate like a no trade clause where you have to approve yeah. a trade from, you know, one team to another. And yeah, like all the best college or all the best quarterbacks in the NFL, like have no trade clauses. Like Tom Brady's not going to sign somewhere and not have a no trade clause. You know, like, it's right. like, well, you can't trade me unless I want to be traded. And then yeah, fuck it. You know, whatever. But yeah. And, and I have watched the movie Moneyball, so I know a little bit of this shit. Oh, did you watch <laughs> it finally? Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, I watched it a while ago, actually. Okay. I, I guess I never told you I did, but yeah, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Brad Pitt. Just I love Brad Pitt in that movie. Others. It's just you know, I, I just I mean, I love I love the the line from uh, Phil Hoffman when he's like, "You, I don't remember the name of the players. Like, you traded so and so." are you outside your mind? <laughs> like, I, and I love that, that that's the line. Not like, are you out of your fucking mind? Right. Are you, are you outside your mind? Yeah. And I'm sure like it didn't go quite as dramatically as that, but it made, it just makes for great compelling, uh, you know, television or movie making or whatever. Like just the, the way that they fucking make like trades and shit, like insanely exciting when he's just on the phone with 15 people and he's hanging up and he's like, all right, hey, leave that guy on hold for five minutes. Like that whole fucking, Oh, great, yeah, you know, rigmarole. Spread yeah, it's, it's, it's statecraft, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. <clears throat> um, but yeah, but you could tell it was written by Sorkin, though, because like, like he writes politics the same way. This is, oh. this is just a lot less harmful, you know? It's when, when he does. I didn't know but, he wrote that one, too. But yeah, I mean, some of the, some of like the, you know, the scenes where all the, the old stuffy white men are all like at the table talking, like that, that stuff definitely reads like his dialogue. <clears throat> oh, yeah, no, 100%. And he's a good dialogue writer. He just, he, he has fucking awful politics. Like he's not a bad writer. Um, he just has terrible fucking worldviews yeah. <laughs> that, he, that he puts well, into his Well, I'll writing. tell you somebody who is not that great of a writer, but does have good worldviews, and that's sports writer Dave Zirin. I thought you were going to say Seymour Hersh. <laughs> no, no. We're not getting to... We're, we're no, I know, no, we're, we're far off, yeah, from there. So Dave Zirin is a guy who... Uh, wrote a book years ago that I, I read uh, called What's My Name Fool? And, uh, that's the, the thing that Muhammad Ali said to a guy who uh, was he beat very badly. Yeah, uh, I remember. Who refused, who refused to call him Muhammad Ali and kept calling him Cassius Clay in the ring to like get a rise He was saying that as he was fucking pummeling him. It was amazing. Like there's yeah. a video clip of it. Yeah. So it's it's like so that was, you know, just, just an amazing moment. So the book is about all these other, you know, uh, people who had you know, made sports political for the right reasons throughout right. the history, going back to the late 1800s. And it's, it's a great book, but Dave Zirin is not like a, like he, he's good at writing like, you know, sports articles and essays. Like he's not that good at writing like a very long right uh, book, 
but that's okay. That's fine. That's, that's not really important. It's just he. It's a collection he, of essays more so than like a coherent like basically, story, basically. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it kind of ties it together at the end. You know, it's, it, you feel like you're reading like a, an, a, you know, a very smart eighth graders essay, <laughs> <laughs> a book report, maybe. Did you ever see Michael Mann's uh, version of Ali, the, the the biopic he made with with uh, Will Smith? With, I feel like I've seen part of it. It's good. Right. You should check it. it it's honestly, yeah. it's good because he, Michael Mann, it, I mean, first of all, it's Michael Mann. So, you know, it looks I mean, fucking, Michael Mann's the man. You it looks fucking incredible. Seen, you still haven't seen Thief. No, no, I know. That's, that's, I got to watch that. It's yeah. one of those, like, I was like, oh yeah, I'd watch that, but it's never like the first thing to pull out when I have like a list of, but I, one, one of these days I'll just fucking watch it. Um, yeah. but, but Ali is, you know, has all his stylistic visual flourishes. Um, a lot more of like a flat white color palette than most of his, stuff you know not a lot of blues or you know uh halogen kind of oranges that like he uses in collateral but um it but it's great because it doesn't at all shy away from from ali's like revolutionary beliefs on vietnam and like the draft and every like it, it's very it very much leans into that and will smith's really good as ali like that's what that's why i say like i hate when he doesn't challenge himself because He's fucking great when he wants to be, but yeah, that that scene's in that, and they, they depict that fucking scene perfectly. Yeah, it's worth watching for anyone that's uh, into into that sort of stuff. <laughs> so but Dave yeah. Zirin uh, wrote a little piece about the Super Bowl, as I call it, um, that we had on Sunday that I didn't watch because I I just I'm so grossed out by it. I always have been. Uh, in, in the last few years, I've tried to watch it, and I'm just I'm like I literally last year. I was watching the Super Bowl, just regaled by every fucking celebrity imaginable in every single commercial. And I actually thought to myself, you know, at least uh, Larry David wouldn't fucking. Do <laughs> oh no, he like, did the worst one imaginable. He did a crypto minutes, ad. Five minutes later, he was in an ad for crypto where he pretends to be the Larry David character, you know, saying that he doesn't like crypto, that it's never going to go anywhere. And then, of course, it has gone through repeated busts and now Larry David's getting sued for doing that commercial because they claim him it's doing it, amazing. disparaging it in the commercial, which of course was scripted by the people that were of right. that company. It, you know, it's just anywhere they can try to scrape together money. Right. Stop the bleeding basically. Um, so I didn't watch it this year, but I, I was sort of rewarded for my uh, cynicism by this article by uh, Dave Zirin. I'm not only going to read like, uh, you know, a couple paragraphs of it. So it kind of jumps in here, but it's titled it's unsurprising that a game wrapped in lies produced a result that many cannot accept. Cause apparently there was like a really, there was a really shitty like call at the end. Yeah. It was a very the light outcome of the game. And it was like, oh, 100%, they, weren't, yeah. they weren't doing any calls at all. The whole game, they were just letting them do whatever, yeah, they're, they're, whatever. Cause you let them play in the super bowl. You don't call every ticky tack foul for like holding and grabbing a jerk. Like you just fucking let them play. And there was like the most minimal fucking holding at the imaginable at the end of the game. And it yeah. and it gave the team that was uh, like had a fourth down, like a first down, and they ended up scoring. Whatever, it completely changed the game. But yeah, yeah. So he, I, writes, I know what he. I'm, I I have a feeling I know that the thing that happened before the game is what he's writing about. So, well, he's sort of talking about how the whole spectacle, uh, just how gross it is, really fits with you know how the game itself. <clears throat> like nobody trusts that these calls are being made in good faith, right? You know that it could be rigged also. So he, he you know. It's unsurprising that a game wrapped in lies uh, produces a result many cannot accept. So just this starts towards the end of the article, but he said the deceit referring to the lies, the deceit 
included the hyping of the fact that the military flyover was, for the first time, an all-woman endeavor. Mm-hmm. The, the pilots. Yep. While this undoubtedly caused some aggrieved conservatives to spit up their nachos and call the NFL woke, because <laughs> that's the word for anything that makes them even mildly question their own belief system, it was a political sham. There's nothing progressive about this, no matter how many right-wing trolls blow their tops. It reminded me of the uh, Alufima Taiwo writings on elite capture. The flyover stunt cynically used the movement for women's liberation for the purpose of U.S. militarism. The message is that while uh, bodily autonomy has been trashed by the Supreme Court, at least this is a country where women can bomb people. (laughs) The fraudulence also extended to the commercialization uh, and the sheer glut of famous people bursting out of every ad. The U.S. is rich in celebrities, and they arrived in force to sell us anything that was nailed down. Other than Ben Affleck achieving his life-awaited destiny (laughs) starring in a Dunkin' Donuts commercial, there wasn't much to see. That was a highlight. Yeah, I, I I missed it. So I he he know. worked the. Uh, it was just him working the drive through of a Duncan and being Ben Affleck. You know, saying Boston. <laughs> it was very it was very funny. I, I enjoyed it. it. And then Jennifer yeah. Lopez came through the drive through and yelled at him. So it was very much true life oh, <laughs> as to God. what I imagine <laughs> actually happens. Um, yeah, but, usually the game itself stands as an honest product amid the Super Bowl's sea of flashbulbs, corporate criminals, and grifters. This is the secret of the NFL success amid the commercial and militaristic sewage. The game is entertainment of the first order, a commodified violence to rival anything out of Hollywood. But stories need endings, and this year the ending was as repellent as the surroundings, and that's bad for the NFL. They like to sell us the idea that football is America. It shouldn't surprise or it shouldn't surprise us that in a country that feels rigged, people would assume the same about the Super Bowl. Oh, okay, so interesting. He didn't. I, he actually didn't even mention the thing I thought he was going to mention, which. Uh, caused me to blow my fucking top the first you know 10 minutes into the game or uh, into the pregame was they did another i think it was right around the time they did the flyover they did another kind of like u.s military hagiography you know their involvement with it and they mentioned pat tillman and did like this little fucking video blurb tribute to him and mentioned that he was killed in action (laughs) during the fucking war and like nothing else that like again because they hold him up as this uh-huh. You know, as part of their fucking, you know, beacon of, of you know, like he, he may patriotism earlier in the article. He, just, right. He might, he might have an excerpt. Um, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, and that and everyone online well, was even, watching blew the fuck up about that because like, fuck you. Like the, the even the notion that he was killed by friendly fire is a fucking lie because he was screaming. I'm Pat fucking Tillman at the people shooting at him and they kept shooting i saw some fucking guy who's like well uh, you know the the, the the this insidious notion by uh, like i'm not i'm anti-war but this insidious notion by the left wing that pat tillman was was intentionally killed is harmful and i've met people who were in the true in in his in his uh you know battalion or whatever and it was a tragic accident i'm like fuck you dude like you're you're doing apology for one of your fucking buddies like you know he was he was vocally anti-war. He mean he just I'm sure the fucking nut jobs who enlisted during fucking you know Iraq and Afghanistan were so like fucking geeked up and on whatever that they were that they were probably infurious about the fact that this guy is saying that this war is fucking illegal and that he's you know going to go back and tell the world about you know they're thinking he's going to be another you know John Kerry or whatever before he fucking you know <laughs> went off a deep end. Um, and right. so I, I read a, a very long piece about like the <clears throat> moment to moment 
you know, where people were on the ground in really? relation to each other as he was being shot at, right. the positions of people, like the, the basically the forensic investigation of how this happened. And it, it was like 20 people all shooting him at, at the same time. So it wasn't, it wasn't just like one person fucking up. It was like right. they were all, uh, you know, for whatever reason, whether it was politics or whatever, <clears throat> they knew who he was, they knew where he was, and they continued to fire on him. So this was this is basically them fragging a guy who was anti-war and they saw as not one of their own. Yeah, yeah. They had the chance to get rid of him, so they did. Right. I'm I'm sure I'm sure he'd gotten to plenty of fucking arguments with people in his in his fucking unit. You know, I'm sure they just didn't like him. You know, you, you, I've you, you have, I'm sure you've had people, and I've had people that I don't like who I work with, but I'm also not in a in a workplace environment where, you know, gunfire is is encouraged. So like, it's not the kind of situation where it would ever come up. But you can imagine that environment plus the type of people that the military was attracting, especially during that fucking period of time. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not a far stretch to imagine something like that happening at all. I, I'm surprised yeah. it doesn't happen more. No, and especially when you, I, I mean, I read about this so long ago, I can't remember all the details, but it was, it was like, the, it, it was, it was deliberate. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was like, you know, yeah, we're all, we're all going to, each one of us is going to, you know, stab Jon Snow once so that we're, we're all culpable. Right. So that, or so no one's so culpable. none of us are culpable. Right. You know, it's fucking Caesar, basically. <laughs> right. No, hundred percent. I mean, it's a, this is a tried and true method. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, that, so that was fucking disgusting and they, they did that and they do that every, they do, they've done that a bunch, but this was like one of the more egregious examples of it in, in the video that they put it in. So yeah. Um, other than that though, it was interesting, you know, good trailers, some good trailers, one good trailer, I think <laughs> the, the fucking yeah, uh, yeah, flash yeah. trailer, but you know. I, I watched it and I was just like, uh, uh, oh. it, I, I think, I, I think for me and a lot of people who were like, oh, this actually looks good. It's a little bit on a curve because DC has yet to produce a movie in that, in that universe that wasn't complete dog shit. I mean, outside of like sui- the James Gunn suicide squad, which is like barely in that universe. Matt, Matt was it? the fucking, the guy that did the Batman. Oh, oh well, that was, and that was not in that universe either. Yeah. The, the, the Batman, Matt Reeves, Batman, Matt Reeves. Was fucking I almost said Matt Batman. Barry, which is a totally different Matt. <laughs> but like within that Zack Snyder, DCEU oh, yeah. or whatever I, I, I has not it. been at all fucking good, you know? It's so just, it's, it, why do they, why do they think they have to figure out the Marvel formula? Like we already have that. It's and just people a already tired with, of that yeah, shit too. Um, you they know, missed I mean, they missed their window. They should never have handed the keys over to, of the kingdom over to Zack Snyder and let him run with it for 10 years. If they had done this when when superhero movies were hot and people weren't fucking sick of them, they actually might have gotten where they were trying to get. But I I, I did you watch this fucking flash trailer and it's like, okay, the the, the worst person in the world is playing <laughs> the a main character, character that nobody cares about twice. There's, I mean, nobody likes Ezra Miller. Everyone fucking hates that person, and they're like, "Hey, what if there was two of them?" <laughs> so, I, in <sighs> slight fairness to them, this movie has been in like in production for like eight years, so I'm sure that was not. And I think it, it was more of a sunk cost fallacy at this point. I, I, I am fairly certain that the flash we have by the end of that movie will not be Ezra Miller. Like that, the fact that they're doing a multiverse movie and like, there's all these different, like Michael Keaton, Batman showing up. This is a perfect opportunity to recast him as somebody from a parallel universe who fucking (sighs) is like the flash going forward. 
alongside guess, it's, James it's like Gunn's the, universe the, of characters. The thing that made No Way Home so special was how they pulled that off and and mostly kept it under wraps where there was so oh, many Oh yeah, they didn't rumors. tell you in the in the there trailers. So many different exactly. But it's like this movie is so fucked because of Ezra Miller. They were like we have to give <laughs> like this huge reveal in right. the trailer. And you're just, it's like, okay, well, I don't need to see it now because I already know what's going to fucking happen. They could have just shown like the wing, the back wings of the Batmobile. If, if, if Ezra Miller wasn't who he was and they didn't have to sell it on that and it was actually a successful franchise like the DC movies, they could have just te- heavily teased that like another Batman might show up and people would go see it. But yeah, like you said, they had they, to. I mean, the, the, with the No Way Home thing, it was like I was in a theater of, you know, it was a packed theater, completely full. The average age was like between twenty to twenty-five of all the theater goers. So, like, you know, the the, the first Batman movies came out when they were kids, right? So, and, and nobody in the theater knew for sure. You know, we kind of speculated, but like when when they gave those reveals, you know, when when you know, uh, I can't remember. His Toby McGuire, Andrew Toby Garfield. McGuire, when they showed up, my theater lost its fucking oh, huge mind. pop. Yeah, um, it was it was like the most amazing moment I think I've ever had in a theater before. And I realized because I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome!" But they right. were like, people were crying, they were screaming and because that was their Spider Man, you know, like right. our Spider Man when we grew up. Well, not but like you know when we were younger was Tobey Maguire, but like. All the fucking Gen Z kids. I was like, already like way. I didn't even watch those movies because I was just like, they don't look good to me. Like they haven't. I was like eleven make... when that came out, so I was I was all about it. But oh, but, I was much older. But uh, it's still it, it but, meant so right. much to me to see other people reacting at a much higher level that I it made me appreciate what they were experiencing. Well, and, and the right? Gen Z kids all had fucking Andrew Garfield was their Spider Man. Unfortunately for them, right. you know, like that. But you would think if that was the mold that like they, you know, or if they're just copying everything Marvel does first, that they would want to, you know, have that uh, reveal for people who were, you know, my age when that first Batman movie came out in 1989. Well, it, that, you know, that's it, the funny it, thing is the key demo is like. 40 to 50 years old people that saw right. the batman when it came and, and i saw fucking... in the trailer and i just shrugged right i wasn't excited at all i'm just right. like what are they fucking doing like okay maybe it's it's a cool idea michael keaton's the bat okay again whatever but like i don't know i i just i watched it and i saw nothing i, I also to me i also know the flashpoint story is really good because they did a really good um I mean, I've read it, you know, years ago when it came out, but it, they also did a really good uh, animated, uh, you know, DC animated universe movie version of it that was, like, great. That came out, like, in the 2010s or whatever. Um, and, like, the whole cool thing about that is, like, the Batman uh, in the in the parallel universe that he goes to is Thomas Wayne. And Bruce Wayne is actually the one who dies instead of the parents. So Thomas Wayne becomes Batman, but he's, like a fucking murderous psychopath who uses guns and is like trying to, you know, cause he, he that happened to him so as he's an ben adult. Affleck? Yeah, basically the but, but like, because it happened to him as an adult. So he's, he doesn't have that innocence of like, Oh, I, I'll never use guns. It was like, no, I'm going to kill every motherfucker alive to fill the right. void of the, and then his mother becomes the Joker. Basically like it's, it's a weird, it's oh, a cool, like fun. interesting, you know, twist on it. But so I'm excited for that part. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, whatever, you know. <laughs> I mean, if they even do that, but still, well, I mean, I they, they are having Affleck in it, so I mean, they are still in that universe. So I mean, they could yeah. bring a fucking Negan and Maggie to do, uh, oh, the, 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 which might be cool. Like have them for a little like fucking cameos, one of the worlds he stops in, like as those characters. But uh, I mean, multiverse of madness, I yeah. tell you. <clears throat> but anyway, I, I mean, um, I'm sure I've talked about it a million times, but the the. Uh, um, the the pearls that all fall apart like that are <laughs> fake fake pearls because real pearls are strung right. together in such a way where they don't all. If you snap the string of pearls, they are still. We could, get, we could get like seven different versions of that scene in this movie if he goes through all the. Different I just I need to see the pearls all separate from oh each other, God. bouncing off the pavement. In each slow pearl motion. hit should send him to another universe where Batman's parents each, are getting. Each pearl killed. hitting the ground, it has the sound of like a huge kettle drum, just. And then he flashes the fucking Val Kilmer's timeline, and then he flashes to Keaton's, and then Clooney's. And then... I don't know why this movie's not making any money. What what are we doing wrong here? I thought we had a winning formula no damn well uh, um <laughs> we have we have two more horrible things to talk about uh that we should just get out of the way because they're they're horrible and we have a lot to talk about with them and we're running along here so let's let's get into those um sure obviously the the um disastrous um uh, like fucking mini chernobyl that that that's going on right now that nobody in the press is fucking talking about outside of alternate uh alternative media is this this uh tr- this Norfolk Southern train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, which gives you an indicator as to why nobody's talking about it? Because I hear the word Palestine, and immediately the, well, they, the, everyone the, in the, the mainstream media pronounces block it Palestine. List. They say Palestine. I haven't which I'm seen sure that. Is they really. Not an, I'm sure that's just a you know an accident, not an intentional. Choice. Oh yeah, no, not at all. Because they can't you know even say the word Palestine on television without you know inflaming yeah. their their fucking. It's, I noticed that it's weird how like every state in the U.S. has a town called Palestine or East Palestine. Or it's North not even Palestine. a real place. How can that happen? Like that's I know no... what what did they name it after? <laughs> or, you know, Palestinians, but there's no place called Palestine. That'd be like if we had a Gotham in 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 Chicago, you know, or in uh, Illinois. Um, Metropolis. Yeah. Who's ever heard of a town called Metropolis? <laughs> yeah. Um, so today, uh, today was the first time I saw a clip of the White House press secretary, whatever the fuck her name is, being asked about it. And this, it's been like ten days, no word from Buttigieg, transportation secretary, no word from Biden. Ten days later, um, finally today, uh, somebody asked a question about it, and it was like the most you know PR focused group, right. human Milk resources. Toast. It was stop that. It was it was just like, well, our partners in the EPA are working with the people on the ground, hand over fist to you know, like, and there was we're testing everything, we're testing to make sure everything is safe. It's like, okay, but you, you could test for something and it's not safe, but then what are you going to do? Well, we just test again later and see if it's the you know, like that they have no fucking plan for decontamination. No, right? and this is a problem that well, look, you know, we actually have a little bit of a video explainer yeah, that we'll play and that, then, then we'll chat about it. But this is a time. This is a quick little explainer of the situation and how it came about. And this is from a more perfect union on Twitter. It's a kind of a pro union sort of like media, alternative media, uh, Twitter, social media account. Uh, that compiles uh, news. Uh, so this is an interesting little clip and we'll play uh, now. Rail workers warned us about disaster like this. I heard firsthand months ago about the corporate practice of precision scheduled railroading. Precision scheduled railroading is uh, shorter staff, 
longer hours, longer trains, less safety, less maintenance. Do I have all that right? Oh, you got it all right. I okay. mean, a lot of the derailments that you're seeing on national TV is one of a few things. It's lack of maintenance on the track, where they've cut the track gangs too short and they can't get out to fix it, or they've cut the carmen's, which is the union that works on the rail cars. So uh, we have one derailment here in Northeast Ohio where a wheel flange was very thin it picked a switch and derailed the entire train. Luckily it was full of candle wax and not something highly volatile. Rail workers tried to strike over this stuff but were stopped by Congress. A few weeks later, and here we are. Several Norfolk Southern cars of toxic, highly volatile chemicals exploded fantastically in the tiny town of East Palestine, Ohio, 20 miles from where I grew up. So I met Clyde in East Palestine to ask him about it. It looks like a faulty bearing uh, caused a catastrophic derailment. These railroads are turning profits hand over fist. They've cut their workforce to bare bones, and now they're paying the price for it because the wheels are falling off the train, basically. Carmen were inspecting cars about three minutes per car. That's always been the industry standard. Now it's 90 seconds per car. Is that because of PSR? Yes, it's a rush job right now. And these guys are under pressure. I mean, they're working men and women, and you know, if they don't hurry up and get this car done, they're gonna be fired. Great points. So I went to a press conference with Norfolk Southern and Ohio Governor Mike DeWine to ask them about this. What could precision scheduled railroad have to do with the axle failure that caused the derailment? I have no idea that it's a mechanical issue. Rail, precision scheduled railroading is a management process. Not a great answer, and that's probably because Norfolk Southern let a worker take the fall rather than a single corporate executive showing up in the town that they polluted to be held accountable. You see, Wall Street owns Norfolk Southern. 74% of shares are owned by a who's who of infamous hedge funds. And this is the business model that they demand profit at any cost. And disaster like this is simply a cost of doing business. They cut everything, make all the money, and pay off disasters in tiny flyover towns from the profit. But instead of answering for any of that, they're betting that the corporate media, under the same pressure for extreme profit as railroads, will only ask questions about how much cancer people will get and not why this preventable disaster happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know, and that's that's a good summary of the 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 initial um, stages of the situation. Um, and you know, again, the derailment itself is one thing, and and of course, I mean, you could draw a direct line to Biden and Buttigieg and the Democratic Party stepping in to fucking break the rail strike, which we talked about, you know, uh, like less than a month ago. I feel like um, yeah. railroad workers were striking for better conditions, better pay, actual sick time. And, um, you know, improve safety measures. And I would imagine that this sort of thing could have been avoided if they didn't break, step in to break that strike before the striking railroad workers had their demands met. Um, but, you know, even beyond that, the decision after the, the after the the spill happened, um, which that video just doesn't get it doesn't get into, is that they decided that the best way to clean up the spill was to burn these fucking forever chemicals into the atmosphere because it they, they apparently thought that, they they claimed that they were light enough that they could basically you know burn them into the atmosphere they would go up in the air and they would be out they would burn up outside of the uh area where they could cause damage but you know they're still disclosing chemicals 
as of a couple days ago that they're finding in this wreckage that weren't initially disclosed. Like, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, just there's from an article um, from a local mm-hmm. news uh, uh, there on the ground. Uh, the Environmental Protection the Environmental Protection Agency sent a letter to the railroad company Norfolk Southern Friday documenting contaminants that could have been released into the environment, including three that had not been previously reported. The agency also notified the company that it is potentially liable for the cleanup costs under the federal Superfund program. Of the roughly 50 train cars that derailed on Friday, February 3rd, about 20 were listed as carrying hazardous materials. That's quite a few. Uh, on its website, EPA posted a list uh, provided by Norfolk Southern of the chemicals in the cars involved in the derailment. Two chemicals, bu- uh, butyl acrylate and vinyl chloride, had previously been disclosed, with vinyl chloride leading to a mandatory evacuation last Monday. In its letter to the company, EPA listed three other chemicals involved in the derailment. Uh, eth- oh, God, I'm going to butcher these. Ethyl hex... Eth- Ethyl hexyl acrylate, uh, which can cause burning on the skin and in the eyes, coughing and shortness of breath, isobutylene, which can make people dizzy and drowsy, and ethylene uh, glycol monobutyl ether, which can cause coughing, dizziness, drowsiness, headaches, nausea, if and weakness if inhaled. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just the vinyl chloride alone, the, the way it was being burned into the atmosphere was basically creating uh, hydrochloric acid rain, uh, was what was being put mm-hmm. into the atmosphere, uh, that, 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 and, and according to them, it was completely safe. The water, uh, you know, the, the fucking Ohio river, which, which serves as the watershed for, I think something like 20% of the entire country, uh, was being completely fucking polluted with these chemicals that they decided to burn to save money, to get the fucking railroad cleaned up so they can get the trains moving again, rather than just having it put onto another rail car and taking the time to do the cleanup the right way after they have fucking initially fucked up and, you know, poisoned the town. This was the, this was the decision they were allowed to make is to burn these fucking chemicals yeah. into the air. Well, the, when it comes to environmental protection, the the saying goes dilution is the solution so if you've got a huge toxic area the best way to get rid of that is to spread it out thin it out to a wide area dilution is the solution and you know it takes a lot of time to pick up a bunch of train cars that flipped over right if we just drained out all the chemicals into a pool and then lit that pool on fire that's what they did Right, and everything that you put up in the atmosphere comes down eventually. In the middle of a town where people fucking live, and people like it, and and it's just the the the, the fucking gas level, uh, the gaslighting is next level insane, and it's just you know the government working fucking hand in hand with these corporations to lie to people so that they're not held liable for the uh, fucking cancer that these people are going to get from the shit that they're burning into the atmosphere. Did, did you see people's the initial... pets were fucking dying like? Like days, oh, there's, like there's in the, dead fish, there's dead frogs, there's, there's dead, dead fish. Livestock. Like I think so, like something like thirty miles away in like lakes and tributaries, they were finding yeah. dead fish. Like, but no, the water's totally safe. You can use it, but you know. Did you see the initial donation that Norfolk Southern was offering the town? A twenty, uh, I think it was like twenty five thousand dollars or some absurd Tw- fuck twenty five thousand dollar donation to assist the area's nearly five thousand residents who were ordered to evacuate their homes. That's five dollars per person you can get a hotel for like five nights for five bucks right like i mean how much could a banana cost (laughs) i mean it's it's fucking unbelievable like this is this is the kind of shit like they're these people have fucking addresses and names who run this company and 
you know, I, you, you, we all know it should be fucking happening to them right now, but it's just not because that's just well, the society we live in incentivizes I, I love, this fucking behavior. I love at the press conference where this rep for the, the rail company says, well, that's a mechanical issue. That is the precision rail schedule. <laughs> that's, that's, a that's, a, that's a managerial thing. Like, what is it yeah. managing? <laughs> right. It's the to, management. Because clearly it's not the trains. If you think that the manage, management process has nothing to do with not having the trains inspected to the point where they don't have faulty bearings. It's, it's a managerial inspect. decision to save money, to boost shareholder value for this fucking publicly traded company to save money by skirting safety regulation. So yes, it is a managerial value. I also read somewhere that Norfolk Southern did like a 10 million, a $10 billion stock buyback a couple of years ago. So, you know, just, just really great priorities. I'm really, I'm really glad that we would never talk about anything icky, like nationalizing the railroads in this country. God forbid. Can you, I can only imagine the tyranny and the corruption that would ensue if we nationalized the railroads in this country. Can you imagine? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's only it's only the thing that fucking keeps the country running, you know, among other forms of, you know, uh, you know, goods and service transportation. Like it's it's literally the fucking backbone of the country and we let a bunch of fucking greedy blood-sucking capitalists run it uh rather than just having like a national fucking freight rail service like most yeah. other fucking sane yeah. countries. Well, and then also the reason that our passenger rail service fucking sucks because exactly yes. private companies own the right of way of the lines themselves, right? And they take priority. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've taken the train to or from Chicago. Oh, Got to wait for this other long train and to go by. The train just stops in the middle uh-huh. of nowhere for an hour and a half, and it's it's like what? The, there's not even this another doesn't train happen going in China. By. Like this does not fucking happen in China. They have the schedules as such where you should never have a situation where you have to. Yeah. Well, they have, I mean, they have freight rail on totally different lines than right. the passenger rail because the passenger rail there in China is high speed rail and you can travel hundreds of miles in half an hour. <laughs> right. So, you know, and they've built something like 26,000 miles of, of high speed rail just in the last 20 years, while America has built about 10 miles of high speed rail. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's absolutely hysterical. Um, how, you know, we're, we're just completely sabotaging our infrastructure. And the infrastructure of other countries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which leads us into our uh, next, I think, final segment here. Yeah, yeah, we got it. We got to get out here. So we'll do this one last segment, which is yeah. so, <laughs> pretty extensive also. This this is this is hilarious to me because, you know, it's it, again, it's like the things people say, well, the CIA would never do that. And then years later, the CIA admits to it and everyone goes, yeah, I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I, we, we talk about this all the time. This is the strategy. It's deny, deny, make you seem like a fucking psychopath for thinking that the CIA could be behind this hor- this horrific act. And then like five years later, it's like, well, yeah, of course we did it. But, you know, uh, who, who, like, who cares? What are you going to do? Like, well, we uh, nobody to cares about, about it. National security. So th- this is I, I just sent you the link to the to the clip of of Biden. Uh, promising to do the thing that it turns out America just did. Yeah, so I'm, not, I'm just going to play it through my phone because I don't have time to rip it, but I'll uh, I'll play it through the It's a short that, clip That's anyway. fine. Yeah, I, I mean, you want to just run it right now? Yeah, so I'm going to run this now. But And we, we've... Um, we've played this on the show before, but this, and then we talked about at the time, like, gee, it really seems like he's saying that they're going to blow up the fucking Nord Stream pipeline in this clip. And lo and behold, uh, that's exactly what happened. So let's play this audio that we've played before and we'll we'll talk about it. If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer 
the Nord Stream too. We we will bring an end to it. What what how will you how will you do that? Exactly. Since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control. We will uh I promise you we'll be able to do it. <laughs> I mean, he fucking smirks at the end. He knows exactly what because because they've already said like yeah no we're gonna totally blow it up if they if they cross into into this Ukraine. Is, I mean, and it, it's just the fact that she's like, but that it belongs to another country, and he's just you know like he's just admitting that Germany is our our proxy state at this point, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So this was you see more Hirsch, uh, celebrated journalist, um, broke the story of the Miley massacre. Broke the story of the Abu Ghraib uh, torture, torture fucking program. program yeah, uh, who has the the theory is that uh, Seymour Hirsch has a very well connected uh, source within the CIA or yep. somebody who is ex CIA who is very high up. Just one and of those he, stories would make me believe always, that. Just yeah. breaking one of those, let alone two of the most major, <clears throat> you know, disclosures of of of, of abuses of, of the military industrial complex of, you know, of modern history like the fact that he had two of those stories that he was the one to expose them um so he used to be he's he's, he won the pulitzer prize for the my thing and you you know but in the last few years he's been uncovering more and more stories that are you know closer and closer to the time in which they happened which (laughs) apparently is a no-no too close, right. flying too close so, to the sun. Yeah, right. So the mainstream media has decided that it's not okay for Seymour Hirsch to have an unnamed source. You know the way that the U.S. government uses unnamed sources for all of their fucking. <laughs> the way the U.S. government is an unnamed source to the you know to the corporate media constantly I mean, we, on these issues. We we have fought wars over the intel from an anonymous source. Yeah. Right. So the, the fact that he's, you know, the, if, if like Saddam is somewhere source, north, south, east or west of decree. Yeah. Like that, like that sort of information. Yeah. So, but as soon as an unnamed source is the whistleblower, it's like, oh, well, shit, we don't know who it is. So we can't discredit uh, the unnamed source. So now we have to discredit Seymour Hirsch. Yep. Right. So this is just like, you know, and keep in mind the the, the U.S. Um, Undersecretary of Foreign Affairs said to Congress under oath, I think the administration is very gratified that Nord Stream is now a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> so they said they were going to do it. They did it. And then they glibly celebrated doing it. But, but still now, claim that they didn't do it. <laughs> right. Right. Because, because now this could actually fracture NATO. Right. Because if this is like, if, 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 if the, you know, home heating uh needs of the people of Europe are somehow just dis- can be disrupted unilaterally uh by the US can just blow up a billion dollar pipeline in the bottom of the sea. Right and just completely um, take away not- the the sovereignty of Germany. I mean, you know, I'm sure, you know, they may or may not have known about it, but we're still blowing up a fucking pipeline that doesn't have anything to do with us. Well, I mean it has something to do with this. Well you know I'd be like want it, Russia to be getting money from you're not involved in it in the actual exactly. transaction. So, so the so the mainstream media has been going just hog wild trying to discredit one of the most credible investigative journalists in our lifetimes. This is from just just to read a little little some of these headlines here from a website called CodaStory.com. Uh Nord Stream, Seymour Hirsch, and how disinformation works. And this is written by a woman named Natalie Antalava who's the editor in chief of this website, codastory.com. She's probably the only person that writes on it, but just calls herself the editor in chief because, right. You know, 
Uh, she's formerly of the BBC. So just a couple paragraphs here. <laughs> Did the United States blow up the Nord Stream pipelines in the Baltic Sea? I don't know. <laughs> so she, she's admitting she doesn't know one way or the other. But Seymour Hirsch, a well-known U.S. investigative journalist who made the claim last week, has managed to ensure that we may never know the truth. Like, he just told you the truth. What would you talk right. about? Would, like, what? Hirsch's, the truth that everyone fucking knew. Like, yeah. yeah. Hirsch's story is that, and you know, this is damage control. These are these are all the little worms out there in the mainstream media, the little, you know, CIA assets that have to, you know, do this work. This is what she's doing. Hirsch's story is a case study in modern day disinformation. You just said you didn't know if it was true or not. So how do you know it's disinformation? Right. But you just said, I don't know if this is true or not, but I know it's disinformation. But we know it's disinformation. You just fucking completely contradicted yourself. You fucking... So <clears throat> she writes here, Hirsch is apparently juicy scoop, apparently. Apparently, because people believed it. Apparently, Juicy Scoop described a military operation that amounted to an act of war against both Russia and Germany, yes it did, and was conducted with the full knowledge and active cooperation from the Norwegian government. Oslo dismissed the accusations. Washington rejected them as well uh, as utterly false and, and complete fiction, which is how you know it's true. Uh, and much of my own journalistic bubble reacted with an equivalent of a collective, a collective digital eye roll. That right there. She's admitting that she's in a fucking bubble of people right. who all agree with each other, right? And that's what makes things true or not, is whether your cohort is in agreement, not whether a thing's true or not. Right. Right. And, and, they, and they've said, like, oh, well, he hasn't produced any evidence. It's like, uh, can, can Seymour Hirsch take a fucking submarine down to the bottom of the ocean of the Baltic Sea and fucking look around with a map? Like, no. This is, you have a, a connection with the intelligence community that knows these things. That is your evidence. So just a few other headlines here from people trying to discredit Seymour Hirsch. <laughs> Snopes.com claim that U.S. blew up Nord Stream pipeline relies on an anonymous source. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, an, an anonymous some, source. Something is, they've never yeah, yeah. used before. Right. Most sources for fucking leaked information are anonymous. Like we, this is an yeah. established. Most people don't want to have to flee for their lives like Edward Snowden did. They, they know what happened to Julian Assange or, or is happening to Julian Assange. Like most people don't want that. Right. So this is from Reuters. Russia calls for international probe into Nord Stream pipe blasts after blogger report. Yeah. Seymour Hirsch. <laughs> formerly, just just blogger. a blogger. Who just knows? a blogger. Just Pulitzer Prize winning fucking legendary, you know, journalist who broke broke the story of the He's Mile Eye Massacre. We can disregard him. Right. Daily Express. UK-Norway gas pipelines face threat as Russia vows punishment for Nord Stream leaks. Yeah, it's see, now we it's Russia who we accused of doing this in the first place, which makes no fucking sense because they spent a billion dollars to build it. It's their pipeline to, to you know, for a third of their economy uh, selling gas to, to Europe. Yeah, they blow that up themselves. But now that we know that they didn't do it, the real threat is reprisal from Russia. So be afraid, Russia, Russia, Russia. <sighs> And then Business Insider here, um, and this one goes into some detail that actually, like, they're trying to discredit Hirsch, but they end up basically reinforcing everything that he, he, he divulged. So Business Insider, the claim by a discredited journalist, discredited, discredited journalist that the U.S. secretly blew up the Nord Stream pipeline is proving a gift to Putin, of <laughs> course, because, because even if a thing's true, if it helps Russia, it should be suppressed. Yep, no, of course. what they're trying to say. 
So yes. just the bullet points here. Once celebrated journalist Seymour Hirsch made unproven claims, the U.S. blew up Nord Stream pipeline. Again, he's not a forensic pathologist. He can't go down there to the bottom of the ocean and show you that, you know. Hirsch won a Pulitzer in 1970, but his more recent work has come under sharp criticism. Yeah, wait till you hear who's criticizing his, right. his, his work. Right. Um, Russia pounced on the claim, swiftly endorsing it, despite uh, there being no current evidence of its truth. And the evidence is... <laughs> oh, the only evidence I have is that the president of the United States fucking said he was going to do it in a fucking national television press conference. But, you know, let alone the fact that you know, you know how many world, you know, how many countries in the world have a navy? Not many. You know yeah. how many have the capacity to go down deep sea diving and plant explosives that then get triggered by a fucking buoy drop from an airplane three months later? Oh, yeah. That Not was an many. interesting tidbit from from Hearst's reporting, yeah, like the actual was, mechanism so, for using it. Exactly, and details like that don't come out of thin air. No, no one, you don't just no one like comes up with a story that's fake has you know that kind of logistical information right in their head unless they you know just nonstop jack off to fucking Tom Clancy novels, you know right? <laughs> like I'm sure most of these natsec people who are claiming that it wasn't the U.S. even though they know it was. So the article continues here. The journalists uh, heavily disputed claims on Wednesday that the U.S. government blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline sparked a flat rejection from the White House and glee from the Kremlin. Glee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Seymour Hersh alleged in a self-published article that the Biden administration... <laughs> Seymour Hersh, actually, he was on uh, Democracy Now! today, and he said, yeah, I would never take this story to the New York Times because I know they wouldn't publish it on purpose. <laughs> right. That That's, you know, and he used to work for them. Like, he knows. Right, he knows. Um, self-published article that the Biden administration partnered with Norway in a top-secret operation targeting the pipeline under the Baltic Sea, which were destroyed in June 2022. The White House, uh, contacted by Hirsch for comment, called the story false and complete fiction and issued a further denial after the article was published. The Norwegian Ministry of Foreign Affairs told Insider, these allegations are nonsense. Uh, again, like... That you, we have to partner with... So, so basically what they did was they did this during a joint... Uh, U.S., NATO, and Norway Navy exercise in the Baltic Sea. So anytime you hear us about us doing like a Navy exercise, like, oh, I don't know, in, say in the Ch South China Sea, assume that it's covered for something else we're doing that's a, 100%, a black yeah. ops, basically. Yeah. And that's exactly what China fucking knows that we're doing. I mean, all the shit with our fucking balloons. You see, you see the uh, Chinese foreign ministry say that, yeah, we had 10 U.S. balloons come over China in January alone, and we didn't shoot any of them down. Yeah, because Did you see that because yeah, I, I saw that, and I saw also in the New York Times article they basically admitted that the balloon that we shot down, they tracked its path, and it was errantly knocked, you know, off course by weather uh, patterns, which again lends credence to the fact that it was just a fucking weather balloon uh, that that got off course because it got caught in the jet stream and it got carried over here because that's what fucking happens when you put balloons in the air; they have no you know way of steering other than you know increasing and decreasing their altitude well that that's that's how our balloons work but those commie balloons uh, <laughs> right now they there's sneaky. a little there's a little sneaky yeah chinese guy in there with a little joystick going back and forth and right. then we that's that's who we blew out of the sky that's that's the secret that we did that we don't they, know they trained a little a little monkey to fly it around right um it, it's just like the shit that they expect us to believe is fucking insane but people that's just accepted fact that it's just a spy balloon again like just nobody nobody except the people who have a fucking brain uh question the fact that it that it was a fucking spy balloon they just take it as you know gospel because that's what yeah. it was said 
So the last paragraph of this article, uh, in recent decades, Hirsch has come under criticism by those who call it poorly sourced, conspiratorial, or over-reliant on anonymous sources. The opens, again, like what, what other source do you want about a covert operation on the bottom of the ocean? Like who else is going to have information about that thing, right? Um, right. So <laughs> the open source investigative outlet Bellingcat was deeply critical <laughs> of his reporting on chemical oh, attacks. Oh, yeah, that's that's who I really, yeah, that's who I look yeah. to for the open source investigative outlet Bellingcat, which is a uh, <laughs> it's the fucking CIA. It's, it's literally, the... this, and they they don't pretend otherwise. No, they're like, no, yes, they're we're even... we're the the media outlet of a think tank that was started by the CIA. Uh, and Vox raised doubts about his infamous 2015 claim that Barack Obama did not, in fact, mastermind the killing of Osama bin Laden. Yeah, and that that's another page turner. I, I, I didn't about even know one. about. No, I didn't even know about that. I got to read that. That's uh, according according to Hirsch's source, who uh, has never been wrong before. Um, Osama bin Laden was actually in the custody of Pakistan for years, and wanted to turn that him over. Why he was in Pakistan and why we couldn't fucking find him. Right. And basically like wanted some like trade with America and America was like, okay, we'll do it. But we like want to put on this big spectacle so that we can have this big hero story. So they, you know, basically had a, had a fucking helicopter and they blew it up and they did all this shit. And uh, basically these remains dropped at sea were not his remains or they were, you know, had been, he had been dead for a long time before that or however they fucking killed him or, Whatever. Right. Well, then that was the whole thing was like it was just always even even back then when it happened, it was immediately suspicious the way they disposed of his body rather than just, you know, very bringing back very of life suspicious. <laughs> right. You, know? you remember when they killed, um, you know, uh, Saddam. Saddam Hussein, but also Saddam Hussein's son. His remember his two sons, yeah, they, Uday they, and Qusay or whatever. They like put the portraits up at the fucking press conference, like it was. There was the video of, the, of of Saddam getting hung, like by the oh, Israeli. Yeah. No, I yeah, remember I that. Mean, I remember that. But like even before that, when they killed his two sons, they had pictures of them in coffins, uh-huh. propped up, like it was the old west. <laughs> right, right. They they've left out the fact they also killed his teenage grandsons. Oh, children. Yeah. That's that's a little more icky. You don't want to. That's not as fun. That's not yeah. as America. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you so, know, Metallica blaring. Pretty much everybody knows that this this was the U.S., but I did want to read one article from an expert um, who is b- confirming that everything that Hershey is saying is fucking accurate. Um, because you know, like I tweeted out a little while ago, oh, where'd it go? Uh, well, I'll save my little tweet for the end of this thing. Um, so just bear with me while I read a little bit more, just just to to get this on the record, just to hammer this home. That like, look at this factually, and tell me it was anybody else, right? <clears throat> so this was published by uh, uh, Xinhua uh, News, which is based out of China. So again, how, how, can, how can you trust it? Right. Um, but they were interviewing an American, so I guess we can trust it. Uh, report on U.S. involvement in Nord Stream explosions fits 11 known facts, says U.S. scholar. So there we go. We know we can trust him because he's from America. Uh, the recent report by a famed U.S. journalist uh, on the involvement. I thought he was discredited. How could he be famed at the same time? This is this is confusing. I'm having a hard time critically thinking right now. Famously discredited. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> right. obviously, you know. Uh, so a report by a U.S. journalist on the involvement of the U.S. Navy in the Nord Stream explosion is, quote, credible and consistent with several existing facts, a renowned scholar has said. <clears throat> Pardon Pardon me. American investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch said last week on the U.S. portal Substack 
that the U.S. Navy was involved in the Nord Stream explosions. According to Hirsch, a Pulitzer Prize winner last June, the U.S. Navy divers operating under the cover of a widely publicized mid-summer NATO exercise known as Bell Tops 22, like what is it, fucking Woodstock, <laughs> uh, planted the um, remotely triggered explosives that destroyed three of the four Nord Stream pipelines three months later. Uh, quote, I have a long, I, or quote, I have long hypothesized that the U.S. government carried out this action and Hirsch's account adds to the likelihood of that hypothesis, said Jeffrey Sachs, uh, or Sachs, director of the Center for Sustainable Development at Columbia University, in an emailed interview uh, with our newspaper, Xinhua. Uh, the professor has listed 11 facts responding to Hirsch's report. First and second are the longstanding uh, vociferous U.S. opposition to Nord Stream and the extensive record of U.S. covert operations against the infrastructure of other countries. U.S. President Joe Biden last year publicly warned that in the event of a Russian military campaign, the United States would end the pipeline, declaring, I promise you we will be able to do it, uh, according to The Economist. Uh, Fourth, the U.S. Undersecretary of uh, Political Affairs, Victoria Nuland, warned in 2022 that Nord Stream would not move forward if Russia launches operations. Moreover, quote, very few countries, if any other than the U.S., have the technical capacity to carry out such an attack without immediate detection, detection, sorry. So, yeah, like we talked about this before, like the, you know, this is this is not an easy thing to do. Right. Right. Uh, He also listed Sweden's remarkable unwillingness to reveal the results of its own investigation into the explosion (laughs) and the silence in mainstream Western media regarding Hirsch's report as two facts that can explain this hypothesis. Uh, The eighth fact is that Western intelligence agencies have admitted that there is no evidence whatsoever that Russia carried out this act. Uh, And the celebration of U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who deemed the pipeline destruction as tremendous uh, as a tremendous opportunity to wean Europe from Russian gas and by Newland who called the damaged Nord Stream 2 a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. I quoted her earlier. Also as the possibility the United States orchestrating the destruction said the professor. Lastly, Hirsch's credible and detailed account has yet to be refuted other than possible minor details. So yeah, as I tweeted out earlier today, roses are red, violets are blue. Only a fucking idiot would deny the U.S. blew up Nord Stream 2. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, but yeah, no. And again, you know, five years from now, they'll be like, yeah, no, of course we did. But like, who cares? Like, what do you, what do you make it a big deal of it? That was fucking 10 years ago. Like, why are we, why are we even talking about that? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's just, you know, it's business as usual for the fucking war machine. That's, this is what we know that they do, that we do as a country, um, to, uh, you know, further our economic interests. And that's just the way it's always going to fucking be in this country. Yeah. I mean, I truly hope that like some countries quit NATO. I do this. too. Yeah, no, I hope <laughs> just, this, I hope this like, completely this is... splinters NATO into a million fucking pieces because that's the only thing propping up this fucking you know proxy war that we have going on right now with Russia, um, and in the Ukraine. So like it, you know that would be great if that was an unintended side effect of this. Um, we'll have another thing to thank Seymour Hirsch for, you know, beyond just the exposure of, of insane war crimes that he's exposed in the past. But hey, you, you remember when, you know, we had the, the head of the NSA under oath to Congress 
uh, swear that the NSA was not spying on Americans, oh, yeah. and, and then it turned out they were spying on all Americans. Yeah, no, even Every even beyond what we realized, they, even beyond what we could conceive that they would be like doing. We thought that they were doing it without warrants on like select people. It was like, oh no, we're just doing it with everybody. <laughs> like, so you know, it, it's just and, yeah. And they don't try to go after you and discredit you if you lie about the government. They go after you and they discredit you when you tell the truth yep. about the government. It's Always remember that. Same as it ever was. Yep. All right. Well, on that uh, joyous note, we got to get out of here. But uh, that, uh, yeah, if you want to support the show, rate, review, and subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash move left. Uh, Facebook.com slash move left idiots. Patreon.com slash move left. I am on Twitter at move underscore left. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Bike Slutty. Yep. See you next week. Can't stay at home, can't stay at school.